0: I like Marvel. I want to root for Marvel, but sometimes Marvel just makes it so damn hard. Don't let him make you the villain. Maybe I already am. Hey, fam. Welcome to a new episode of Stay Watchin'. As always, it's me, your lovable host, Larry. This week on the podcast, I want to talk about a show that was taking streaming services by storm, the Disney Plus original from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, WandaVision. And, you know, just a, and I will get more into it later, but this is going to be an episode. There will be spoilers in it. If you haven't watched WandaVision, part of me is like, why are you listening to me talk about WandaVision right now? Because you should probably just go watch the show um, unless you don't really care about the show. Um, then I'm still kind of questioning why would you be listening to this if you don't care about the show, but th- that, that raises a whole bunch of other questions, many of which are much like WandaVision will be left unanswered. Uh, not saying that every question needs to be answered, blah, 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 blah. We will get into that because uh, I know that's something that people probably want to hear me talk a little bit about. Um, but I'm going to share my feelings on the show overall, uh, share the things that I like, the things that I didn't like, and what I think the show means for the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. So buckle up, hang on a minute. We will be right back. if you remember from my episode about Avengers Endgame, this was a really long time ago in, in podcast years, but also is about about two years ago now. One of the things that I said in that episode was I needed possibly a little break from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I felt like I had been kind of, you know, taken this 10 year journey with these characters, with what they were trying to do with these movies. And while it was enjoyable, I, I was just exhausted by the end, you know, and, and yes, technically end game is not the end of that phase. It is, um, Spider-Man far from home, but you know, whatever, like for all and <laughs> for all intents and purposes, uh, it is, it is end game. End game is where, you know, we kind of draw the line, you know, at least in, in my mind, that's kind of where the line was drawn. Um, you know, sure. There's a post-credit scene in Far From Home that that kind of sets some things up for the future, and that's great and all. But like, you know, in terms of the hard-hitting, high-level Marvel cinematic universe stuff, I feel like it really kind of ended with Endgame. There was this huge crescendo. You have the main kind of group of Avengers sign off, like literally their signatures are are in the end credit sequence. You know, and and it felt like a good place to leave us for a while. And sure, you know, the following year, we were supposed to get a Black Widow movie and, and things would have continued like normal. But thanks to the pandemic, things got thrown off and Black Widow got delayed and delayed. And it looked like we weren't going to have any Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff for a while until we got word of a couple of series coming to Disney+. Plus. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was supposed to be first, uh, as well as WandaVision. Um, as, and there were also murmurings of a Loki series. And as these things started to become real, um, we also found out that these shows were also impacted by the pandemic and Falcon and Winter Soldier would not be able to finish its production in time to be the first MCU show on Disney plus. So I fell to WandaVision and out of the series, you know, I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm probably the, was, you know, from the outset, the most interested in what they were going to do with something like WandaVision, knowing that, Hey, in Avengers infinity war, we watched vision die twice. The character is gone. He did not come back uh, when, when everybody who was, Killed in the snap or, or erased in the snap was brought back. So we you know what are they gonna do with the show? Why does it look like a an old timey sitcom? It it filled my head with a lot of questions and it got me a little bit excited because if you know me, if you've listened to past episodes of this podcast, one of the things that I complain a lot about when it comes to Marvel, and, and again, I really enjoy marvel i enjoy the comics i enjoy a lot of what they're doing with the cinematic universe the one thing that i will always complain about is that i feel like they never quite take things far enough and by that i mean things aren't ever quite as weird as they should be in the Marvel universe. You know, We're we're talking about a universe where a kid is bitten by a radioactive spider and gains spider powers. We're talking about a universe where a family of adventurers in their friend get zapped by cosmic rays while they're in space. One of them becomes a rock. One of them catches on fire. One of them turns invisible and one becomes the rubber band man. Like, there's Ant Man in the Marvel universe, a man who can shrink to the size of an ant or get really, really big. You know, it, it's a weird place. And 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 hey, this is a universe where a witch woman can fall in love with an a sentient android man. So, yes, so I was looking at WandaVision from a perspective of this could finally be. The weird thing that I have been waiting from for, for for from Marvel, you know, and 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 I know some people will make the argument. Well, Doctor Strange was was somewhat strange, Um and you know it, it was. But the problem that I always had with Doctor Strange, and and again, if you read the comics, you you kind of understand this. What they do in the film is not nearly as weird, and and by weird I mean, you know. It, I want something that's that's out of the kind of cookie cutter, mainstream, acceptable kind of Marvel formula. You know, I want them to work with weird concepts or, or things that might be somewhat over people's heads and, and might read strangely or, you know, even different ways of telling a story. And I feel like in a lot of ways, that's how WandaVision started out. And that's one of the things that I I really loved about this series. So, you know, before I even get to the the storytelling piece of it, I mean, you have a great cast there. I mean, you know, I I think the thing that is very apparent when you get to WandaVision is not necessarily how little uh, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen were given as Vision and Wanda um, in in the previous films, but we didn't really have enough time with them to understand who they are in their kind of relationships. Like, yes, on a on a surface level, we know who they are, we know who they what where they come from, we know what their you know superhero origin is to an extent. There's some confusion about their powers, etc., and and that's fine. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that we need all that, but because they were second players to the main cast of Avengers, it, we, we never quite got enough of them. And so right away, this show was going to give us more of them, even if they were in a sitcom version of themselves for the episodes, You know, especially the first three episodes that was fine because, hey, we are starting to care about Vision and Wanda together, Wanda and Vision together. Something that I I, I don't, I don't know if everybody actually did at the time. Like, Sure, it sucks to watch Vision die. It sucks to watch Wanda have to kill Vision and then see time turn back so he can die again at the hands of Thanos. Like, That sucks, but I don't know if the emotional investment was truly there for most audience members, or if it was really just like, oh, well, yeah, that's, sucks for them. Um, so I think the show right off the bat does a really good job of getting us to care about these characters and getting us invested in their relationship and really building out that relationship. You know, it's something again, that we hadn't really had from those two characters. And, you know, in the same way, I think this series does a good job of, you know, redeeming the Darcy Lewis character from the Thor movies played by Kat Dennings. Um, You know, I think, I think Kat Dennings, you know, sure. I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Darcy in the Thor movies. I I will be the first to say that, but in this series, you know, that character works really well. They, they, you know, in a, in a, in a way they, they matured the character in a way that made sense and worked for the series. So she could still be you know, her quirky self, she could still make the jokes that she wants to make. Um, but it didn't feel as kind of annoying and childish as it did in the Thor movies. And and granted, you know, she is she's supposed to be this intern in the Thor movies. And so it makes sense that she's played a little younger or a little, you know, I don't want to say dumber cause it's not fair. Uh, cause I think she's like pretty clearly a smart character in those films. Um, but the way she is, is kind of positioned You know, it's not that interesting given the world that we should have had in Thor. And, And Thor is another example of that. This should have been weirder. Like part of the reason why Thor didn't really get good until Thor Ragnarok is because Taika Waititi realized what he needed to do was like, take the piss out of this character. Like there is a lot of room to do weird, different, funny things here. And you know, again, like just add in different aspects of the mythos that that really worked well and and fleshed out everything that was going on with that character. Um, so again, you know, I, I think, I think that was something that we, we got a little bit more of here. We got, we got Darcy Lewis fleshed out. We get a little bit more Jimmy Wu, who, you know, sure he was in Ant-Man and the Wasp and, and he seems kind of like a side character. Maybe we won't see him again. Maybe he's just going to be in this, this one movie, but you know, he is like a, a perfect kind of even though he is a comedic character, he works really well as a straight man in in some of what is going on in this film, in film, in this series. Uh, and, and I really like Randall Park's portrayal of Jimmy Woo. I, I really, I want more Jimmy Woo. I want more Jimmy Woo and, and Darcy and the next character that I'm going to talk about, Monica Rambeau. Um, I think Tiona Paris does a really good job with this character who we barely got anything from uh, because she was in the Captain Marvel movies as a child uh, played by a completely different actress. It's not the same actress. Um, And so, you know, that's kind of the last time we see that character until episode four of WandaVision. And we learn that you know, Monica Rambo and her mother were working for Sword, and you know what that means in terms of looking at you know, different threats on the planet, sort of like S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Marvel Universe, you know, just think about a government agency that their job is to look out for sentient weapons. Uh, in the comics, it was much more focused on on space-based, um, you know, alien incursions, things like that. But, you know, they, they've changed it up a bit here. I, I think they still are going to, to to deal with that, uh, based on the post-credit scene of Spider-Man: Far From Home, and and Nick Fury being on a spaceship, and and the post-credit scene of WandaVision where Monica Rambeau is basically told, "Hey, Nick Fury wants to talk to you." I, I think we're going to to get Sword in more of that traditional comic book role. Um, but here, you you kind of needed something in place of Shield um, that is looking at the. In a sense, the dangerous super individuals who are who are still on planet Earth, and so, you know, while I would have liked to have seen that somewhat fleshed out more, I thought, you know, again, bringing the Monica Rambeau character was great, and and I think those are really kind of like the core people at the heart of you know taking this further. Um, that that I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do with those characters, and and I'll come back to this a little bit later when when I talk about some of the story beats and and what works and what doesn't work. One person that I do have to talk about on the cast who you know is is important to their big reveal is Catherine Hahn's character. Uh, she plays a character who is called Agnes for most of it, but it turns out to be a, a Marvel character called Agatha Harkness, who is a witch. Um, in the comics, uh, from the things that I've read most of the time, Agatha Harkness is not a villain. Um, but Marvel decided to make her a villain in this series. That's not necessarily a problem. You know, if you do things right, you can change a character from a hero to a villain. I will come back to that. That's obviously going to be a theme. Um, you know, so I I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, in a show where people are really, you know, when the audience is trying to come up with, you know, their idea, their theories for where the show is going to go. Catherine Hans' character, you know, really served as a vehicle for audience members to to anchor their expectations to. You know, from the outset, there was a lot of you know there was a lot of talk of, you know, I bet she's going to be Agatha Harkness. I, I bet that's going to be like the big reveal, and she's doing something to mess with with Wanda's mind, and and blah 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 blah, and and she was there. She did help mess with Wanda's mind. Uh, but it wasn't, it it wasn't all of that. And and I think that's where, that's where I I have to kind of go back to what worked about the story before coming back to this, which I, which I don't really think works. And so, you know, again, one of the things that I was talking about earlier when I talked about the actors was the relationship between Wanda and Vision and how well this series like really put that on display, made you care about it, something that you may not have cared about before in the show. And I think that's where that's where the show was at its strongest when it was doing it's sitcom shtick. It was at its best. I mean, you know, we, we got stuff from the Dick Van Dyke show, you know, uh, you know, sort of be wet show modges. We, we got Malcolm in the middle. We got modern family. You know, we got a lot of really good material that they're working from. And, you know, while I think an argument could be made that they could have gone a little bit further, especially with some of the later ones. Uh, I I believe that, you know, they did a really good job with probably the first two episodes in terms of like hitting that old sitcom feel Um, and not so much necessarily with some of the later ones. I think the Malcolm in the Middle episode, they did a really good job with the Modern Family one. I feel like they could have taken that a little bit further, Um, but all in all, like all right, the the weirdness of each week, we're going to a different show and how does their relationship evolve during these different times as vision starts to unravel what's going on. And as, uh, while we as viewers, you know, understanding what's happening outside of their sitcom world can kind of look in. Um, I think it was going, really, really well up until we get to the point where we have our kind of big reveal moment. And, you know, I think part of that is, well, I guess, I guess let me back up too, because there's another thing that, that I have to talk about. And I touched on it with the, you know, sucks for Wanda kind of thing where it's like, she has to watch vision die twice, but you know, that is the core motivator for everything that happens in this series. Wanda is experiencing extreme grief and that influences her in a way that allows her powers to manifest in this way that lets her take over this entire town and puts all the people in that town under her control. And again, like, I think that is really interesting. That's really weird. That's really brilliant. You know, we get little tidbits later on where we find out that like you know these people couldn't really sleep and when they did you know they were experiencing Wanda's nightmares and I, and I think that is really it's really chilling and interesting and kind of brilliant and it's like that's the stuff that I like about this show so you know the weird setting doing the jumping from sitcom to sitcom style the all right, we are focused on a character who is, you know, really having a trauma reaction uh, and how that trauma reaction mixes with their powers to basically do this thing that we're watching. And, you know, again, I think, I think all of those things are really interesting. And it makes me wish that Marvel had gotten out of their own damn way. And what I mean by that is one of the big problems with Marvel and and probably with with superhero television at large or, or superhero entertainment at large is the the need for a named villain. And look, I have no problem with including Agatha Harkness in this. I think it was a good choice. I think I think Katherine Hahn did a good job in the role. I I thought it was very interesting. Like through episode 8, I was super interested. And all I could tell was when I finished episode eight, I was super worried for how it was going to end because the one thing that I didn't want to happen is the classic Marvel. We have the same powers and we're going to fight and battle sequence, which happens in just about every one of their films with the exception of, you know, a couple, you know, I I think a few that do the end battle sequence really well. Um, you know, and, and, and part of it is just because like, uh, it's just how it worked out with their characters. Dr. Strange, uh, probably has one of my favorite, best final battle sequences of all time. Uh, I I think that sequence is better than most of the film. Uh, And it it gets to that weirdness that I would like for Marvel, especially with their supernatural and magical characters. You know, Dr. Strange using the time stone to capture Dormammu in this time loop where Dormammu is basically just killing Dr. Strange over and over again and can't can't handle it because it's the first time he was ever introduced to the concept of time and how terrifying and binding it is to him. Like that is brilliant. That's just weird and brilliant and not something that you would think about every day. You know, it's not just I am a wizard who has beams and I'm shooting my beams at another wizard. And you know, again, not to to, to hate on Wandavision too much because I think most of the battle is that there is a great reveal where Wanda has learned something and, and that is fantastic. But like the overall beam struggle that they have, look, I, I love Dragon Ball Z. I grew up watching it. I, I still go back and, and get into Dragon Ball stuff all the time. I, I don't always want to see a beam struggle be part of the ending sequence of, of my superhero movies. You know, there's enough, there's enough beams in superhero movies that, that not everything has to have a beam in it. Um, you know, and then on the other hand, we have vision fighting another version of vision because Hey, evil government white dude has decided to rebuild vision. And, and i say it that way, mostly because the character of director Tyler Tyler Hayward from SWORD is not really a character. Apparently there was a lot of stuff for him that was just cut out for time. Uh, for production time and it, it kind of sucks because he ends up being a non character he's he's literally a mustache twirl- twirling villain who has really no motivation outside of hey I wanted a really expensive weapon uh, so Tyler Hayward had sword collect visions body dismantle it so that they could figure out how to put vision back together and make a new you know weaponized solely weaponized version of, of vision without the Mindstone and so we go through the through the season, and you know the big reveal in the post-credit scene of Episode Eight is, hey, we got our new White Vision online. I say White Vision because he's all white, but he's also from the comics. He's a character. Um, and so we also get Vision versus Vision. You know, two androids with capes who can phase through things, shoot a beam out of their head, have super strength. Uh, you know, they're fighting each other too. Uh, Luckily, luckily, again, that fight doesn't last too long and they, they, again, they do something really novel to end that fight. You know, there is a logic puzzle at the end, uh, which allows the fight to, you know, have a more interesting ending. Uh, but it's like, almost like, why did you waste my time with the normal, we're going to punch each other for a little bit and then we're going to talk. Like I almost wish based on the character vision and his curiosity and the fact that he's machine, I I almost wish they had just gone straight to the vision talking to the vision before having the vision fight the vision. And, and really, I, again, confusing. I know it's confusing. It's weird to talk about. Um, you know, but you know, the vision stopping the fight with, a query about the ship of Theseus and the the ship of Theseus problem is, is, is brilliant to me. And, And I think they did a really good job with that. It's just all the preamble to that, that I feel like kind of takes away from what the show was, you know, because honestly we had a very quiet, somewhat strange series that was doing really well With the stick that it had, you know, picked up, that it had decided to use, but it was all dropped for the bombast that we are supposed to—and I'm doing big air quotes—supposed to expect from a Marvel Cinematic Universe project and and i and again i and i know to a degree there are people that would argue well this had to have this type of ending otherwise i would have been upset they didn't fulfill my fan fan theories so you know, the least they could do is give me battles. Uh, I don't think this is the type of series that really needed a final battle. Like, I, I, I just don't think it is. And I, and I don't think it was interesting and I don't think it was handled all of that. Well, you know, I, I think there's a way that they could have done this without like, you know, having two knockdown down, dragged out fights that, you know, again, quite frankly, Part of the issue that Marvel has is a lot of the choreography on these big final action sequences, it it, it ends up feeling somewhat empty, you know, having a huge widescreen battle and two itty bitty characters, you know, seemingly miles apart, they weren't actually miles apart, but looking like they're miles apart from each other, throwing things at each other is not that interesting to watch. Like it felt, it felt impersonal for the extremely personal story that we were given. And so I think that is a really big problem that I had with this. And, and it's something that I wonder if Marvel will think about when they are looking at their series in the future. You know, does everything need to have a major villain reveal? Does everything need to have a major final battle or can we accomplish telling the story that we are going to tell with more, I don't want to say talking, but like, that's kind of it. Like, cause you can, you can have good, well choreographed conflict that doesn't necessarily need to be you know, a a two witches floating in the air, shooting beams at each other. And, and granted, there are great moments within that fight. There is a fantastic moment where the Scarlet Witch uses a power that we haven't seen since probably Age of Ultron to influence Agatha Harkness's mind and it kind of sends her back in time to, you know, where her coven betrayed her and and tried to steal her power before she drained, you know, them of of their essence. And I thought that moment was was one of the really cool moments in that finale, but overall, like it it just, it wasn't enough to undo the damage that that finale did. Uh, and, And I think, I think that's ultimately, It's different than something like Game of Thrones, where, you know, we had some really great seasons and then it started to turn down a little bit. And then, you know, it wasn't really until the last season where it was just downright. This is not what we signed up for. You know, WandaVision is a much shorter series. You know, it it felt much tighter. It felt like they had a better handle on what they were doing until that last episode. And it just like took all of the air out of the sales for it for me. Like, you know, WandaVision was one of those series that I was thinking about, if not talking about just about every day, because I, I felt so excited by the prospect of that series. And And part of that might've been, you know, the fan theory piece of it. Like, look, I'm not gonna pretend like I I wasn't theorizing if Mephisto was gonna show up or, you know, wasn't betting that Doctor Strange was gonna gonna make an appearance because hey, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You don't rule that stuff out, you get excited for it when it happens. You know, there are all sorts of other Easter eggs and little drops that they put in there, some of them to throw you off, like the um you know, Evan Peters showing up as Pietro Maximoff. Um, you know, is he, is he actually the version of the character from the Fox universe, just disguised? Or, you know, is he something different? And and sure, you know, that was a fun little diversion. You know, I, I love the misdirect whip that. I, I, you know, it's the same kind of thing that they did with the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, which, you know, again, I know a lot of people have problems with, but I, I actually think was, was really well done. So that's part of it. As a fan of Marvel, I'm always excited to see what could possibly happen within the universe, what new characters they can introduce, all that. Great. But the fact that they took this really, they took a risk here. Like I'm going to be real. Like they could have easily lost a lot of people and and they, who knows, they may have, we know that this is one of the biggest streaming successes in quite a long time. So yeah, Hey, it worked for them. Uh, But just, Hey, where are they going to go next? What are the series that they're going to spoof? You know, all of that sort of stuff was, what was really interesting. Like, how are they going to make jokes? How are they going to, how are they going to do this? Like from an actual television making standpoint, where is this going to go? And will it be interesting? There was, there was a lot there. Um, And it was, and it was an interesting series. Most of the way through, I just, I personally just felt like it—it it, it was dropped at the end a little bit, you know—and and, I—and I really would have loved for that to shake out a little bit differently. Um, but enough about this series itself, I guess. There's just like one more thing that's really been bothering me about it, and it's—it's it's one of the aspects that also feels like a miss to me, you know, outside of kind of the, the Marvelness of the way that it ended. And and technically I guess this can count as a piece of the Marvelness of the way it ended, you know? So again, you know, I talked about Wanda is grieving. She doesn't have full control over her powers. And so this grief manifests in a way where she essentially enslaves and tortures a town into re like into living her like sitcom, idyllic sitcom dreams. So you have an entire town of people, some of which who are essentially confined to their houses in a living nightmare, while other people are forced to play characters and lose sight of their own humanity, their own memories, while she experiences this grief. And again, in that final episode, which bothers me so much, we have Monica Rambeau's character. You know, and I didn't even get to talk about Monica Rambeau getting her superpowers, which you know that's it's great. It's cool to see. I, I love to see a black superhero, you know, be born. I'm really excited to see where they're going to take that character and what she's going to do, how she's going to factor into potentially, uh, well, definitely captain Marvel two and potentially secret invasion, the new Nick Fury show, uh, with the scrolls, like lots of, lots of cool stuff that they can do there. Great. Great. So they have this character who has been basically on Wanda's side the entire time, you know, trying to let people know like, Hey, Wanda has been going through something. Like we need to figure out what's going on. This can't possibly be all her fault. So she has basically been trying to tell Wanda not to let people make her the villain. And, you know, granted that that's a fair sentiment until we figure out what's been going on. And so, towards the end, after Agatha Harkness has been defeated, after Wanda has released the town from her spell, uh, everybody is free. And, and again, this is after everybody's, you know, was was released from her control for a minute. She got mad and strangled them. Um, Monica Rambeau's character tells Wanda, "Hey." these people will never understand what you gave up for them. Basically saying like, you shouldn't feel bad. Like you went through a lot. And and I'm just like, no, that is the wrong sentiment to have. You know, I, it, it, it's so infuriating. Like let's be real. Like just, just on a, a, a and and yes, Obviously I know this is a TV show in a fictional universe. This is not real, but it can still be frustrating. And and just understand my frustration comes from the place of, look, I, super beings are incredibly powerful, you know, and, and if we're going to be real, they can be seen as weapons of mass destruction. In the real world we have rules around weapons of mass destruction. You know, these are sentient weapons of mass destruction. They have free will, they can do things, and that makes them exceptionally dangerous. That's the point of something like civil war and and seeing you know, sure, Wanda is trying to save people towards the beginning of that movie when Crossbones decides to um, blow himself up. A whole floor of people accidentally get blown up. We get the Sokovia Chords, which is supposed to really regulate how super beings are able to use their powers. Great. It makes complete sense based on what's been going on in that world. Hey, Tony Stark has built an artificial intelligence that almost destroyed the world. Multiple threats have come through with superpowers that jeopardize the lives of a lot of people. And so in this instance where Wanda's powers, again, out of control powers have been used subconsciously or not, doesn't matter, have been used to inflict pain on others. Like those folks in that town at least deserve an apology. Like going through grief, experiencing trauma does not give you like a a card to traumatize others. Like you don't just get to do that. Like and, and I think that's ultimately the problem with the way that WandaVision goes about like Sending that character off, so we are supposed to just be smiling. Oh, you know, sucks for Wanda. She lost the love of her life, and and you know these fake babies that she had made are gone. Cause yeah, yeah, I didn't even talk about this in podcast. Like, Wanda manifested fake children that she gave birth to out of chaos energy. Like, whatever. Like again, weird. I like it. Like I like that. It's sure it's from the comics, but like. I like that. It works. It's weird. It works. But again, so she has a, a version of her husband that she manifested out of herself. She has these chaos engineered children that aren't real. And I am supposed to feel bad for her, even though she has inflicted this trauma on an entire town. People were literally unable to see their children for months or however long she had this town under her control. Like that's wild to me. And it's wild that Marvel would choose to end the series that way. And, and granted, You know, obviously, we're going to see how things go in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because that's where Wanda is supposed to show up next. Because, all right, at the end, she takes the Dark Hold, which is a book of dark evil magic from the Marvel Universe. Uh, with her and starts learning more about chaos magic. And here's the screams of her children who are probably trapped in the chaos realm. And when she goes to get them, she is going to weaken the boundaries that protect our world and will let all sorts of chaos reign like, and she's going to do it again. And are we going to continue to treat Wanda like she's not a villain because she's going to jeopardize multiple universes probably the next time that we see her. And we're just gonna we're just gonna be like, oh that wanda, she's still sad because vision's gone. Like, no, no, she is a dangerous individual. And and again, I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm yelling. This is getting ridiculous, but but <sighs> that's why I struggle with the end of WandaVision. I, I really enjoyed this series all the way up until the end and it just it it took all of the wind out of its own sails and i i wanted so much more from it i wanted so much more from it so i'm just gonna leave it there because I, i i i don't know what else to say what are your thoughts? Did you love the end of WandaVision? Did you hate the end of WandaVision? Do you think that Wanda is the Vision? No, not Wanda is the Vision. Is Wanda the villain? I I didn't even talk about the end of the Vision storyline, which, you know, again, if you, hopefully if you're still listening to this part, look, the Vision, the White Vision is the Vision's body technically his data drives were intact. So, you know, Wanda's fake vision, spirit vision was able to unlock the white vision's memory bank. So he at least has the data for everything that has happened in his existence. He doesn't have the emotional attachment to those things, which is interesting, uh, but he at least knows what's happening and he flew off. God knows where. So we will see whatever the vision pops back up whatever. But in your viewing of WandaVision, do you see Wanda as the villain? Is there a villain? Should we feel bad for Wanda? Should she have apologized to these people? I I mean, I don't think that should even be a question. She should have, like she just put her hood up and walked up. No, no, I'm, I'm getting back into it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me know what were your thoughts on WandaVision. I really want to hear what you have to say about the series. Hit me up on social media at Stay Watching Pod on Twitter or at Larry Tron if you want to reach out to me directly. Stay Watching Pod at gmail.com if you want to send the show an email. Um, we got a lot of really interesting stuff coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, obviously Zack Snyder's justice league is on the horizon. That's going to be coming up soon. Uh, King Kong Godzilla versus Kong is coming up. Um, I actually just got, uh, a collection of Godzilla films that I'm going to be rewatching in advance of that, including the old like 1970s version of Godzilla versus King Kong. Um, so I'm really excited to, to kind of dive into those, uh, as well as watching the newer Godzilla and Kong films, uh, to bring you some thoughts on that. Uh, I, that might be a little bit more than a, a Mondays at the movies, you know, obviously just keep an eye on your feed and, and you'll be able to see what's going on there. Um, I was going to do uh, a Monday at the movies this week, but some things didn't work out. I I did not end up seeing Ryan, the last dragon, like I I wanted to, uh, I did see, uh, coming to America. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that at any point, just let me know. Um, I, 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 I. usually would, would try to append that to the end of the episode here, but I feel like I've talked a lot and, you know, honestly, Wanda's just got me so, just so upset right now. So it's, it's probably better if, if we, we just end it here. So as always stay watching fam. Peace.